The following program has mature content and offensive material. If you are easily offended or you can't take a joke, please do not listen. 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 I'm Sam Gilmore, comedian, musician, and you're listening to my best friend in the wasteland, 76.1, The Vault. All right, so how do we feel about Chick-fil-A? Are we a yay or nay crowd here? Yay? Yeah, yeah mixed response. Correct, Durham. Good. So I hate, I hate Chick-fil-A, but it's not for the homophobia stuff. We all figured we'd give them a pass on that because they make good fried chicken. We moved right past it. For me, what really does it for Chick-fil-A is those sadistic fucking cows they got advertising for them. Are you guys familiar with these cows? If you're not familiar with the Chick-fil-A cows, uh, what you need to know is that Chick-fil-A has been for years secretly breeding these cows to grow more and more intelligent, giving them sentience, life, emotional intelligence. And the first thing that these cows do upon acquiring sentience is paint signs going to advertising that say, eat more chicken. Not even eat less cows. They took the complete wrong end of the animal rights activism side of this. Not eat more chicken, eat less cows. These guys are fucking traitors. The first thing they do when they step off the barnyard is throw their fellow animals right under the bus. That's bullshit. I don't understand them. They confuse me. They're the black Republicans of the animal kingdom. 76.1 The Vault. You're with your best fucking friend in the wasteland. How are you guys doing? Well, you know what? I'm doing extra good. How do you know I'm doing extra good? Because I made a new friend. A new friend for me, a new friend for you. I am going to introduce you to my new best friend right now. His name is Samuel Gilmore. Hey, Samuel, how's it going? Hey, how's it go- I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, man. Beautiful day in the wasteland. And uh, Samuel is a musician slash comedian and i'm gonna tell you if you took a piece of uh weird al yankovic and then another piece of gallagher and you kind of put those in a ball and made a baby out of it it would look so much like samuel gilmore (laughs) Uh, so you've seen my watermelon set you've seen the watermelon set right (laughs) i've seen many sets of samuel gilmore and they're all great (laughs) So, um, Samuel, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Durham, North Carolina. Actually, I moved here from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, originally. Uh, it's where I grew up. Did a little stopover in Richmond, Virginia for a time. Uh, but yeah, now I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Durham, North Carolina. And how are you liking it? That's right. I like it. Durham's nice. It's got a good, it's got a good uh, vibe to it. Good little, little big city. You know what I mean? I, not too desolate, not too torn apart. Well, Durham's okay. a, Durham's in a much better place than it was 30 years ago. Durham is, has made yeah. a, a big comeback as far as all the crime and, and the problems that it had. And the uh, people in charge of doing that deserve merit for their efforts. Yeah. So, one, of my, one of my little things about Durham that like showed me its characters, I remember when I first moved here, there was, there was a lot of unrest regarding some, like, uh, some statues coming down and things like that, and there was a hint of a um, that there was rumors that like the clan was coming to Durham, and so as a response, the people of Durham just like set up a dance party in the streets. They just danced for the whole day that it was supposed to happen and clogged up the streets. Hmm. And I was like, man, this is a cool place to live. 
That don't you like it how people just get together and they handle a problem, they organize and they take care of it themselves. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And uh Sam, so so you're still a young man. How long have you been doing the the comedy? Um well, counting the if you count the pandemic, uh if I I could talk about that on this, right? I can say that that there was a thing that went on that we all experienced. What what do you uh, I haven't heard that word before pandemic. Could you please explain? No, buddy, it's all oh. good. You say exactly what you <laughs> want to say. It's fine. All right, cool. Well, during the I I guess with the pandemic factored in, it's about two, 3 years or so. I started back in uh 2019. I quit graduate school and uh got into comedy. And uh, it's been a nice ride. Took some time off during the pandemic, wrote some new material, put some songs together, did some recording, and uh, now we're out and about doing shows again, which feels good. And uh, yeah, so it's been about three years, I'd say. Wow, that's... Going that, on three years. That's really cool. And uh, how long have you been uh, a musician? Oh, since I was a kid. You know, I was when I was a kid, my mom made me play piano and I, since I was like five. And so I was always uh, had instruments in my life, but I was never I never really pursued it as like a performing arts kind of thing um, until these past couple of years, really just taking the, the skills from over the years and leveraging them into something I enjoy, which is comedy. So well, now, when when did you first start? Did you like make up funny songs when you were a kid, when you were doing this piano things or picking up the guitar? <laughs> No, it actually, it probably started um, when I was in high school. My buddies and I would get together before school every day, and we'd play music, and we would just sing whatever we wanted. And that's probably where it started, was just the making up lyrics and goofing around and telling. We called ourselves Vagabond Garden, because it was just a bunch of ragtag, goofy guys playing music together. And that was really all it was, was we just made up funny songs that made each other laugh and... That's what it was all about. And so I didn't get to do that again for years until, you know, really really rediscovering the comedy scene as an adult. What age were you uh, were you with the uh, Vagabonds? Oh, I was uh, 14 to 17, that yeah. era of my life. So, so Those high school years. Yeah, just through most of high school. Yeah. And met your wife there. How That's about right. that? Yeah, we're high school sweethearts. So... Who would you say is your biggest influence as uh, as far as comedy goes? Okay, my biggest influence as far as comedy goes is, uh, I'd probably say Bo Burnham. You familiar with Bo Burnham's work? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably my biggest influence. That kind of like aware of itself, but also just wanting to be goofy, but also, you know, deal with some heavier topics. That's kind of where my headspace is at is trying to make light and have a good time with the, the harder topics of what's going on. So I'd say that's probably my biggest inspiration. But I also pull from um, a lot of guys from the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in oh, oh Los yeah. Angeles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Scott Ackerman, Ben Schwartz, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, a bunch of improvisers and comedians and people out there that I take a lot of inspiration from, yeah. And who would you say you are inspired by uh, musically? Musically, I'm all over the map, man. I uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of prog metal. That's probably my biggest thing that I listen to. Um, so it's a lot of guitar forward, really technical stuff with weird time signatures and things. 
Um, but I've also really been getting into uh, kind of like this indie—it's indie rock now. But like the even like the Phoebe Bridgers, Snail Mail, uh, Soccer Mommy—just like honestly powerful women in music right now who are just singing about like how life is difficult, and uh, that's kind of where my head's at. <laughs> powerful women is where it's is what's selling right now. I love a pow- I love a powerful woman, and everybody's can't, can't everybody's buying it. That's for sure. I am too, man. I'm I'm glad to see yeah. some women standing up and you know fighting back. God damn, you know. Yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice that there's a bit more volume of that now. So, and I'm I'm hook line and sinker. I'm in love. I'm out there. Well. <laughs> When you're out there, let's let's get back to being out there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When was your first gig? My first gig I ever played was when I was in high school, um, and I was I was taking guitar lessons with this guy, um, and he was a uh, he essentially was like, well, he was at like a local music shop, and he wasn't like he was a violinist first. He wasn't really a guitarist. He was just teaching lessons, and it was the time I could go. And so I got to a point where he's like, well, you know what? I can't really teach you much, but I can hook you up with different gigs with friends of mine. (laughs) So he put me on a gig with some older guys uh, doing Eric Clapton covers. And Eric Clapton I love. I grew up listening to a lot of Clapton. Um, And so he put me in a gig playing. uh, I was like 14 years old playing Clapton covers in a bar in Philadelphia. How about (laughs) that? I'm 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. It was a good time. Another one I remember was uh, at my, my school. I went to a little private Christian school in Philadelphia, and uh, they did a book fair at a local Barnes & Noble. And uh, they <laughs> we went to play, and we had all these songs. This is with the, my friends from that Vagabond Garden thing I had mentioned. And uh, we went and uh, went to play songs there, and they got a hold of our set list. And it was like... It was some covers of like secular songs and ones we had written, and they're like, "No, no, no! You can only play worship music." Oh no! If you're gonna do this, you can only play worship music. So we went and played worship music at a Barnes and Noble. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! It's yeah. it is literally the hell gig. Okay. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was the worst. It was the worst. One of the worst experiences of my life as a performer. I hated it. <laughs> so, what what was your first um, comedy gig? Oh, sure. So, it was just a, an open mic in Durham. There's a guy, Rob Schneider, who runs a um, an oh. open mic at a place. Rob's going to be on the show soon. Oh, great! You'll love him. He's a great guy. Oh, I I, I know um, Rob. I've I've done open mics with Rob. Oh, perfect. So do you you know his one at the Dirty Bowl? No, I I never did the Dirty Bowl. I went to the one that he did in, in Apex called uh, The Vine. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. I, I did that one with him. Yeah, it's before my time. He's got a real good setup at a, a brewery called the Dirty Bowl here. Uh-huh. That is fantastic. And so it was right after I quit grad school, and I was trying to get more into performing and kind of getting that part of myself out. And so I went and did a couple mics there and hit it off with Rob pretty quick. And uh, pretty soon he put me on a showcase and I've uh, been doing, uh, you know, a couple things like that. Then I started out at the uh, the Pitt Chapel Hill, which was an improv theater that just recently closed. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I was doing a bunch of improv out there. And so that was shows every week we were doing improv on the house teams and uh, 
my indie team that we were on. And uh, so, yeah, first thing was the stand up at uh, the Dirty Bowl, then improv in Chapel Hill and stand up out there. I ended up working as a bartender out there for a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where it's been. And now it's back to gigs. Now it's back to booking gigs and getting out there and playing. And that's great, too, man. I'm, I'm happy to hear that for everybody that needed to get up back out there and up on stage and 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 i I did a few open mics and i am not one for the repetition of you know doing the same things and and still having that you know still having the energy to put into it to make it interesting and exciting I feel that man. There's I, I had a I had a problem for a while where it was before I started doing musical comedy side of things. I used to just do a more traditional stand up as opposed to mixing the two. And I would go out and I'd do a set for the house team shows or whatever, you know, good good seven to ten minutes, and I'd like throw away that material because I didn't want to do it anymore. It's like it worked. I had fun. I did a good job or whatever. And it's like the rush of doing that material was gone. Right. I, I didn't. It didn't really feel worth it to me until I was doing the like music that I was incorporating that part of myself into it. Yes, sir. That's when it became a little bit easier to go back out and do the same kind of things. But I hear you on that, man. Repeating stand-up is uh, when you're bored of your own jokes. It's tough. <laughs> well, well. Speaking of that, being bored of your own jokes or or other people just being assholes about it, have have you got a good <laughs> heckler story to tell me? Do I have a good heckler story to tell you? You know what? I don't know that I've been heckled too much. I really haven't. You know, there's a couple things now and then where someone's a little loud, but I haven't had too many issues with hecklers over the years outside of just, like, talking to guys a little drunk or whatever, and then they kind of fade off. I don't really have a good heckler story for you. I've seen some pretty rough ones. I myself have never experienced any. And you've had had the hell gig at the uh, bookstore, um, playing the religious worship music. Um, uh-huh. Did you have a hell gig beyond that? A hell gig beyond that? Um, Were you playing at a honky tonk where they're throwing beer bottles at you through the uh, chicken wire? <laughs> I do remember playing at a nursing home oh my God. when I was younger. I knew we were playing songs at a nursing home, and it was a mix of it was with the um, it was with the church again. Oh. I, t- I went to this school. I told you it was a it was like a faction of the church actually that this school was like sponsored by, and uh, it was a mega church, like ten thousand people per Sunday kind of deal. And um, they took us to a nursing home to go play music for these old people, and again they made us play the worship music and whatnot, and they hated it. They were like this. And you know, you're stuck in a nursing home. You think you'd be like thankful for any entertainment, but they got standards, man. <laughs> they want to hear some damn Captain and Tennille and shit like that, man. They want to hear some share. Yeah, <laughs> Eventually, some older, some one of the residents there, just in the middle of it, got on the piano and started playing tunes. And they were like, "Yeah, now this is better. This is it." <laughs> <laughs> they were just like kicked to the curb. You got kicked to the curb by some old man with arthritis trying to play a piano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just in the rec room, just slapping on those keys. Oh my <laughs> god! Us right out. It was it was so funny. I I walked out of that again, even as a high schooler, feeling like good, like glad that's over. <laughs> like like it's almost like a chore at the end of it. 
He was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I did it. <laughs> being being part of a, a little, like, church school like that growing up gets you in some pretty rough situations that, like, if you got your wits about you or you're thinking a little differently, it's a little, uh, you know, you don't feel quite as at home <laughs> doing the things that are expected of you yeah. that you'd like to be, you know? You, you, don't invo- you don't follow the big invisible guy that everybody tells you that you need to because he died for you, and you didn't ask him to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, I didn't tell you get up there, pal. Get so, down, that looks like it hurts. Get down from there. Um, th- I'm just saying. Um, so, so. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of hill gigs, um, so what would you say was your best gig? My best gig, or your favorite? Um, yeah, probably. Um, my favorite gig would probably be there was a um. It was one night I did out of the pit at Chapel Hill where I was on, I was doing improv first and then I was on for the stand-up show later. So I was out there with a, a team of my friends who I really loved and we just did like this killer improv show that was fantastic. We had the audience rolling and like a lot of them stuck around and I was on early in the stand-up later as well. Uh-huh. And I went up and I did a, I did a set. It was the first time I actually performed musical comedy. Um, and I had my guitar with me, and I played a song about um, killing and cannibalizing Jeff Bezos. Uh, <laughs> we'll be hearing that. Remember. We'll we'll be hearing that song in the uh, oh, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, I played that song, and uh, it was a hit. And I felt like it was such a validating moment of feeling like, wow, people like this thing that I did, as opposed to, like, even just the improv, which they enjoyed, and the regular stand-up I had been doing before the song. I hit him with, the, I closed with that song, and it just, the audience, like, loved it. They had a great time. I had a great time. And that's probably my favorite gig ever. And I was surrounded by friends, and, like, my wife was there and everything. It was, uh, oh, I'm getting, like, nostalgic for that moment, that feeling. Well, <laughs> you know what, though? I mean... Is there a, uh, a a better way to live your life than doing something that you absolutely love and gives you that great feeling that you have when you perform in front of people and they, you know, you really make them laugh yeah. and you enjoy yourself? Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's you're dead on. That yes, sir. That it's is why matter. I'm doing what I'm doing because I get that same feeling. Yeah. So Samuel Gilmore. If you had a few words of wisdom, a few nuggets of information that you were going to hand down to a young man, maybe a young woman, maybe somebody who hasn't decided which way they're going to go yet, if you, but they are sure of one thing, they want to get into that comedy thing, what words of wisdom would you hand down to that person? Do it and do it as much as you can, but don't kill yourself over it. Do not kill yourself over it. There's a there's a, a difficult hustle culture that comes in comedy that you're gonna uh, bump into pretty fast, and you're gonna want to get as involved as, pos- as possible in every single thing that you find joy in. But be a little choosy, is what I'll say. Pick your uh, pick your stage time. Pick what you want to do. Be choosy with your material, and you know, get it out there. Go test it. Hit those open mics. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to just stand and tell jokes, stand and tell jokes. If you got something else to do, just be yourself and 
come from a genuine place. If you don't come from a genuine place, you're not going to have a good time and the audience won't have a good time. And it's about you and the audience and you two both having a good time. So be choosy and be genuine. Those are my two pieces of advice, I'd say. How about that? That is truly some good words of wisdom. Samuel Gilmore, do you have any dates that you would like to share with us? Sure. So I'll actually be um, I'll be performing uh, at the James Joyce Irish Pub in Durham on uh, July 4th, holiday. How about that? Uh, it's a ticketed event, ticketed event. So uh, if you'll go to my, my Facebook or my Instagram or whatever, which I, I think links are down in the bottom or whatever. I'm, to... <laughs> I'm going to give everybody <laughs> some of your uh, social media links and all that good stuff. That'll be in the show notes. Great. So you'll be able to... Once that once that show comes out, then or once the uh, event's physically created for that, I'll be there. Uh, first Wednesday in August, I'm pulling up the actual date. The first Wednesday in August, that's the fourth. Uh, I'm gonna be in Kernersville. I'll be doing a show out in Kernersville, North Carolina, um, hosted by a guy named Robert Every. He's a great guy, very funny comedian. Um, and so I'll have info for that show as well. So just keep an eye out for that one. Um, and I think that's the only things I've got on the calendar right now. Um, I got, oh, you know what? That's not true. I'm going to be performing uh, with the uh, at the Queen City Comedy Festival in September. Dates pending. I'm going to be performing um, at the Idiot Box in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Is putting on a comedy festival also in September that I'll be performing in. Oh, that sounds uh, great. I'm going to be entering into NC's Funniest this year. So keep an eye out for the uh, North Carolina's Funniest Comedian Competition. And uh, I'll be in that. So those are my things. Man, I tell you what, you are really running out and grabbing at it, ain't you? Yeah, man. The world's opening back up again. I'm trying to do some stand-up. Hell yeah. Trying to make some people laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Samuel Gilmore, my new best friend in the wasteland. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Samuel. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. You stay safe. Yes, sir. You too. Bye-bye. The earth is a strange and beautiful place But humans are a fucked up and dangerous race Australia's on fire, the ice caps are melting and Flooding the coastal plains There's too many people for stable environment So I think that it's high time We bring cannibalism out of retirement But I'm not talking about you and me I'm not blaming the victims of capitalist society No, I wanna kill and eat Jeff Bezos Head of the Amazon Corporation Kill and eat Jeff Bezos, yeah And all the billionaires in every nation Society would be safe and sound If it wasn't for rich assholes fucking around The median American makes 50k in a year Jeff Bezos makes 150k in a minute So it doesn't seem fair, no it doesn't seem right That we gotta share a world with Jeff Bezos in it So maybe, just maybe, it'll be alright If we all grab Jeff Bezos and take a big bite yeah, I wanna kill and eat Jeff Bezos For his crimes against humanity Kill and eat Jeff Bezos Yeah, he's looking like a snack to me And 
If I'm being as honest as I can be, I really want to know the taste of human meat. And what better source than the wealthiest among us and their families? You might think I'm crazy, you might say I'm wrong for wanting to eat someone so bad that I wrote a song. But I don't want to eat a slob like you or me. I want to eat a billionaire cooked by Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I want to kill and eat Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I want to taste his human meat. Kill and eat Jeff Bezos. Yeah, all that delicious billionaire beef. Give me a Warren Buffett buffet. Or a Bloomberg onion, like from Outback Steakhouse. Cause like I said in the first verse, Australia is on fire. I'm hungry for some Elon muscles. Or a Mark Zuckerberger, medium rare and for dessert. Can I get some damn cookies on my apple pie? Because I want the taste of human skin. It's gotta come from anyone, it better come from him. That bald egomaniac with the shipping empire Wanna cook him on a spit over an open fire Hey Alexa, how do you cook a billionaire? I'm Sam Gilmore, comedian, musician, and you're listening to my best friend in the wasteland, 76.1 The Vault. 76.1 The Vault.